hello and welcome to the Australian Cycling Insider podcast. Today we've got an interview with Tim Decker, uh, basically doing a quick preview of the Melbourne to Warrnambool. Um, you can also go and check out all the details about the Melbourne to Warrnambool online on the various social media. Basically, there's a live stream on SBS Cycling Central that I would encourage you to go check out on 11.30am Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time. Um, on Saturday, so you can watch all the action of the race there. Okay, I'll leave you to the chat with Tim. Um, so it's 268 kilometres, actually, in the end of um, mostly flat roads, but, um, I mean, I think we all know that it's not as simple as that, Tim. Uh, how 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 do some of these challenges of the course play into how the race is going to be um, run and won? Yeah, look, I think the it's not just the course, it's the distance as well. So it's it's navigating the navigating the course and also um, you know, adding on the distance and you know, working out where to use your energy and, and when not to. Um, and and how to keep the group either together or how to be in the the front move that that ends up deciding the the bike race. Um, so yeah, I think you know that this new course you know starts off very flat. Um, got some good good uh, undulations or a good amount of uh, vertical meters up and down in in short climbs uh, right through that middle piece, and then uh, is quite flat at the end. Yeah, do you think that flatness at the start can actually make the race a bit harder in some ways? Um, we saw it took ages for the break to go last year, for instance. Yeah, well, with it starting on the highway, and it's basically a four-lane major major road with with you know good runoff space as well, so it's probably equal to five five and a half lanes, um, and it's it's actually quite fast, so it allows everybody to. To find a wheel to sit on, um, you know, it's got good space for people to move around, and you know, you, you get the people that sort of see the front of the bike race and and potentially get excited at times as well, and you know, go right, oh, this is an opportunity to try and attack. Surely they'll just sit up because there's 250k to go, but <laughs> it doesn't work that way, um, especially on that first first section now with it being so wide and open. Is there is there one um, section which you think is decisive? Um, I think we saw last year that there's some climbs around. Uh, I think it was Moriac um, that were the kind of the staging points for the attacks. But it was a very hard race up until that point, which might make it might have forced that selection. Yeah, that's right. I think you know I'm not saying the start's easy at all. It 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 ends up being accumulative. So. Because there's so many people that can participate in the start, it ends up, you know, it's got a high average speed, it's it's constant, it's it's a little bit nerve-wracking, you know, people moving around in the bunch and some people that you might not normally see and that sort of stuff. And um, so it becomes very accumulative and, and then eventually, you know, the, the there's an opportunity at some stage for the stronger riders to really force the issue Um in this case, on, on this newer course, it's probably more they can force the issue in and around the climbs. Um, you know, in the older courses, the 
you know, they would force the issue or make the splits happen in the, you know, the winds or the skinny roads or the, you know, the wind with slight uphill or um, that sort of stuff. So all the constant attacking. So, yeah, that's, that's how the course probably uh, has changed the way the dynamic of the Melbourne Warnable um, unfolds now. Mm. Um, I think I think what what always affects the Melbourne Warnable is the wind. Uh, looks from the forecast I've seen at least to be a, a decent headwind for most of the day. Um, how are we, how are you thinking that that will impact the race? Uh, obviously, uh, with a headwind, might take a little bit longer for that move to really establish itself. Um, and the moves might not get as far ahead as potentially what they could with a side or side tail. Um, I guess the the beauty of the course is that, you know, even if it is a headwind at some stage, uh, there will be a crosswind, you know, due to the, the amount of turns and that, that, that is on the course. So, um, you know, there's some exposure there. And it just depends whether the riders want to take advantage of that, I guess. So, mm. um, if you were team director, do you think do you think you'd tell your riders to try and split it up on those sections and maybe you know get ahead of get ahead of the rest of the bunch? Uh, well, I can't give all that away. No. <laughs> <laughs> Look, um, you know, I think in it, it's fine as a team director to. To, you know have a plan and you know say oh well you know do it in this section I guess the, the thing that you you need to assess is uh, one where that's situated in the race to you know the riders capabilities at that part of the race um, and three you probably need to keep an eye on you know if the wind hasn't changed for example um, you know because because we're dealing with a you know, potentially between a seven and an hour, eight hour bike race or six and a half to eight hour bike race, um, you know, you can get a change of wind direction in that period. Uh, you know, you can get a change of conditions and that sort of stuff. So I think uh, the key is, um, from my point of view, is to, you know, make sure that you've got the ability to be a part of the race. So, So none of this sort of you know, just letting brakes get out to 10 or 12 minutes um, sort of scenario. And because because purely in the NRS sometimes, unless they're really well-organised teams, they don't have the strength to bring 10 or 12 minutes back. Um, and it's not just strength, it's actually organisation and commitment to bring a brake back like that. Um, and, and we see that quite often. You know, a lot of the NRS races are... 90 kilometres, so they're, they're used to, you know, finding a 10, 20-minute section in that 90 kilometres that the race splits up and then that's that's it, done and dusted. Can't be, can't be like that in the Warnable if you if you want to win. Do you think uh, the characteristics of the Melbourne Warnable, I mean, obviously it lends itself to a different sort of rider. What is that sort of rider who wins wins the event? Generally, one one you've got to have the good condition. If if you don't have the foundation behind you, then you know you can you might be around the mark, but but whether you you're actually really in contention to win um, is another question. 
two, you, you've got to be able to sprint at of some, you've got to have some sort of good sprint. Um, so, you know, we see it 90% of the time, there is some sort of sprint for the finish of the Melbourne and Warrnambool. Um, you know, more often than not, there is, you know, there is some sort of sprint and a, and a sprint can be two up, it can be 10 up, it can be 20 up, or it could be, you know, we've had it where it's been 100 up. Um, less often, we see it finish individually. You know, the um, if you look back through the years, you know, and you can pick out the, the individual winners um, that have soloed in, they're a lot less than the, the people that have had to sprint uh, in some way against somebody else. And and you got to, yeah, like there's, there's going to be a point where it's not all going your way um, and you need to be able to deal with that. So, um, you know, the, the athlete has to have that sort of character in them as well. So the ability to to be ready to take on the, the unexpected challenge of either not feeling good, someone else feeling better than you, um, you know, a, a particular climb that mightn't suit you, you've got to be able to get over that to get to the finish or, um, yeah, so, so there's got to be some adaptability in, in the athlete as well. Um, just looking through the start list and um – Informake bring a very strong team, um, as do Powercore Composite team um, out of some of the uh, top riders formed from, you know, around the world. And uh, probably Team Bridgelane would be, like, the other, like, really strong team. Um, how do you think the dynamics between them are going to play out? You know, I wrote a bit of a list of sort of my outsiders, favourites, and, uh, you know, the guys that can be around the mark. And... Um, I mean, team dynamics does come into it, um, and I would, I guess, the the biggest, not fear, but, uh, and it's not it's not for me to have any fear at all. It's it's more about staying in contention to win the bike race, um, and and I would hope that uh, other directors back in the the real possible winners to be in contention to win the bike race um and, and i think that's that's the key in in an event this long like you've you know there, there is some very clear athletes that that are capable winners of the melbourne and warnable but there's also some dark horses and sometimes the melbourne to warnable can throw that curveball um because of the distance and that that challenge of, of being near the front to be able to win, um, you know, with early breakaways and that. So I think on, on a team front, um, you know, for me it's about backing in, you know, the the real winners and making sure they're they're still within reach of being able to win the bike race and not just not just sitting up and accepting defeat for the day. Um, and I've I've seen that quite a few times, and I've I've potentially had impact on people looking at it a little bit differently and changing their view. And you know um, that that year that uh, so Oliver Kent Spark won the won the Warnable, and then I think it was a year later there was a a break that went early. You know it didn't have you know, some of the real favourites and it didn't have Oliver Kent Spark in there as defending champion. And, 
you know, I, I was a part of that bike race as an older athlete. And, you know, I, my advice to him was that you're not giving yourself an opportunity to win the bike race by just letting it ride away. So, you know, get your team to start chasing, you know, and they brought it back and he ran second or third that year. Um, absolute turnaround and, a, and an absolute great opportunity and a way to defend his uh, Melbourne and Warrnambool title. You know, it showed that he he was he had the characteristics to be a Melbourne and Warrnambool uh, good rider. You know, so with a win and a I think it was a second or third. He might have got third. I think. So I think that's the to me that's the key. And and it's you know obviously we get in scenarios where directors play off each other and try to play the game and put put pressure on others and i guess i guess i look at it i look at that and think gee that's um i know it's all part of the game but you know you you've got to back your best athletes in that you know are capable of winning as well mm. yeah i think i remember that year it was like 15 minutes the break got out to or something something like that certainly yeah yeah it, it was quite large early on and it, it took a lot of convincing, but um, amazingly, they brought it back and, yep. Um, so you mentioned some of those uh, top athletes. I mean, you mentioned top athletes and the you know concept of riding for them. Um, who who are those top athletes from your perspective um, for this race? Oh, look, I, I think your, your clear favourites are um, Nick White. He, he's won the event before. You know, he, he knows what it takes to win. He's in fantastic shape. Uh, you know, great performance in Ballarat last week. I know he missed out on a medal, but for him to be uh, that competitive around there in that field was uh, quite impressive. So I sort of see him as, as a quite an outstanding favourite, um, you know, along with your Brendan Johnson. He's been there before. And then, then it's, uh, you know, obviously that... Uh, and this is not in an order, but it's uh, then lend yourself to, uh, you know, Cal O'Brien, Luke Plapp and Raf Freenstein. They've sort of got three cards in that team. Um, and then you've sort of got, obviously, uh, Cam Meyer, Scott Bowden. Um, and Sam Wellsford has finished second in this event before, and I think a few people forget that. And uh, he is in good condition as well. So... Probably more, uh, you know, probably fits closer into a bit more of the dark horses, depending on how the race unfolds, you know. But um, some of those dark horses, I think, uh, you know, people like Brendan Davids, you know, he's in he's in great condition. We've seen that at the Tour Down Under, and uh, he trains around these South Australian roads, and and I know how strong he is, um, you know. And you got people people like Cyrus Monk, for example. Uh, been a very aggressive bike rider over the summer and uh, that aggression will keep going and you, you'll have to keep an eye on him because the the beauty of Cyrus is he's, he's unpredictable um, and he's prepared to, to uh, you know, take the risks to, to win at all costs. So that's pretty good in the, in the Warnable in a scenario like this when people get fatigued. And like Matt Ross, he's been competitive in the in the uh, Grafton Inverell in the past, and he's getting back to career best form. Cooper Say has finished tenth uh, last year. 
Um, and I know he's done a lot more preparation this year. Um, Jesse Ewart was good at the uh, national champs last last week as well. Probably the one that um, that we haven't seen much of that was that had a bit of a purple patch in those long races is uh, Will Hodges, um, sort of been on the quiet of late. Um, yeah, hasn't hasn't featured for for a while in some of these longer events. So it'll be interesting to see if he's he's turned that around and can um, you know get back to his best in these longer events. That's um, pretty much everyone. I was I was looking to tick off. I think. Um... I, was, I mean, your group of sprinters is Wellsford yeah. Jones and Plough Wright. Um, um, Matt Rice can't make the finish. Oh, look, he can he can make the finish. Yeah, I'm not I'm not discounting him at all. Uh, he can certainly make the finish. He has good feel, good bunch feel. Um, but if if Wellsford's there and you know Plough Wright are there, then I think he's probably playing second fiddle to those and. Uh, I'm sure he'll listen to this and try and prove me wrong, and that's fine. <laughs> but, but um, yeah, he, he is a great bike rider and has great uh, feel in the sprint finishes. Um, but, but in reality, he's probably, you know, if if they're going for a sprint finish and he's mixed up in it, um, you'd probably be picking a Sam or a Brenton Jones over the top of Ricey at this stage. So, yeah, I was. I've just seen like a few other riders. Um, Marcus Cooley, Angus Lyons, and um, God, who who's the other one? But anyway, those two stand out to me. But I can't. Apart from that, I mean, I think we've covered pretty much everyone. Yeah, look, you you gotta you gotta go out on a on a limb sometimes, don't you? And you can't name everyone in the in the peloton. Oh, Ma- oh, Marco as well. Yeah, Marco Bryan. There we go. There's no doubt, Marco. Will, Try and be around the mark, but um, and and uh, I've been involved with Marco for some time. But you know, if if Inform want to win, you know, Marco can be around the mark, but they, they've got real winners, and uh, they need to dedicate themselves to to those people. Yeah, um, I think I think that's pretty much it. I, I just want to mention at least one of the other um, starters who. I don't know how familiar you are with Jeremy Hunt, but um, I was I was very I was very interested to see his name on the start list. Um, an Australian national champion who's not Australian. <laughs> oh, Jezza, having another ride, is he? Yeah, yeah, he's on there. Yeah, yep. Well, there, I mean, there's a group of them from Melbourne that um that ride uh, together. That um, yeah, like the challenge of riding the riding the Warney every year and. Um, I think that's with uh, Tommy Nankervis, maybe. Um, you know, and uh, Tommy's Tommy's in good nick and uh, loves trying to get around the mark in the Warney. And um, you know, his professional career is over now, but they still ride their bikes. They still uh, they still love it and have great passion for it. Um, but yeah, it's good to good to have the quality of him in there, um, and I think he'll enjoy it. But you know, whether he's in the mix to contend for the finish is a, a totally separate question mm. um and the other the other part of it is the women's race the race within the race we've got some yes you know, some absolute superb athletes um in here a lot of nrs top riders um there's annette edmondson um, and grace brown um as well not confirmed yet we have to get her past the uci but um that'd be fantastic if she could yes uh be be nice to see 
Grace Brown tackling one of Australia's um, classics, um, considering she was the winner of, was it Liege, best own Liege last year? Uh, she was um, second there. She won second for, there. for Bantouche Pilch. Oh, yep. Okay. Sorry. Slightly off. Um, but, yeah, I, I watched uh, uh, in both of those events and, um, yeah, she's, she's a great rider and uh, great to see her. You know, we've got an Australian mixing it in the, the European classics now on the, the women's side of stuff, things. So it would be would be good if she could race. And uh, the race within the race is actually, uh, it's, it's good to watch. Um, you know, you get people people trying to help out the women and get them a bit further along with the bunch and you know then they they go in and out of good and you know good and bad patches um and it's a real challenge for them but um you know I thought it's great that Nettie Nettie wants to take on that challenge and uh you know she's she's looking for some challenges as she nears the end of her career and uh this is just a another good stepping stone for her uh along the way and I think she knows how to write. She's crafty in a bunch, and I think that's what you you really need uh, for the race within a race for the women. Um, you've got to have good bunch craft and be able to position yourself well, and um, you know know how to drift drift on climbs and potentially drift in crosswinds. So. Finally, I guess I don't want to take up any more time. Um, why do you, why do you um, get get your um, track athletes to come across for this race. I mean, it uh, seems about as far away f- as possible from a, a 4K um, team pursuit effort. I mean, that's that's one way of looking at it. You know, you could say it's 268K and they're training for four kilometres, but we're, we're actually in an endurance phase at the moment. Um, and hopefully, you know, um, a lot of people have seen that with our performances at uh, the Santos Festival of Cycling and the Nationals last week. So we're in a good endurance phase. Um, There is limited opportunity of racing at the moment. Um, And actually racing gives some real intent to uh, or real purpose to, you know, achieving an outcome. And the outcome might not be always about crossing the line first, but it's you know, so in the Melbourne and Warrnambool, there's there's pressure, um, you know, to perform. There's uh, the ability of of getting some more uh, race kilometres in the leagues. Um, they they'll have to suffer at some stage, um, and they'll have to make decisions when they're fatigued. And uh, I think people forget that, you know, our event at the Olympic Games in regards to the team pursuit, you know, it's three minutes, under three minutes, 50. And they they have to make decisions under extreme fatigue, like high power fatigue. And they only have 0.1 of a second to make that, um, you know. And sure, in a road event, you might get a little bit longer time, but um, it's it's that ability to keep working on that. Um, which is which is important to us. So it's it's not just about the distance. Um, you know, there's a lot of internal things that that go on that the the distance brings and the bike race brings. 
Well, perfect. Uh, thanks, for, thanks for explaining all that, um, Tim, and thanks for your time. No worries. Good to talk. Yeah, always good. Um, hope to see you over there. Yeah, that'll be great. Thanks again. <laughs>